Since you enjoy this show, I thought I'd throw out there another podcast you might like. It's a show about the intersection of design, technology, and the creative process. It's the Design Better podcast. And in each episode, hosts Eli Woolery and Aaron Walter bring you conversations with inspiring creative thinkers like John Cleese and David Sedaris, people who bring design and technology together like Tony Fadal, co-inventor of the iPhone and the iPod. So far, some standout episodes for me have been when they talk to John Cleese of Monty Python about creativity. That is one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite people. Then also one of my favorite musicians, Tycho, about his creative process. And they talk with Seth Godin about how creativity is an act of generosity. I've always been fascinated by design, the creativity behind it, the implementation of it, both to improve our lives from a functionality and user interface standpoint, also from an artful bringing beauty into the world approach. So whether you're a design curious person like me or a design pro, Design Better is a great listen that inspires and informs. Subscribe to the Design Better podcast at designbetterpodcast.com or in your favorite podcast app like the one you're using right now. And welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation that I had with Carson Tate. She's returning to the show. I'm excited to have her return to the show to talk about her new book, Own It, Love It, Make It Work, How to Make Any Job Your Dream Job. And in this conversation, we talk about just that making what you have now more of your dream job, but not only staying where you are, but moving and learning and growing into potentially other positions and how to find the right ones, that there are things in your here and now that you do have agency to change, even if you don't think you do. And we will challenge you on that. But we also understand that sometimes there is not agency to change specifics about a position. And we get into that and what you do in that instance as well. This conversation is for anybody who is looking to improve the situation they have career-wise. We spell out options on options in this conversation. So I'm just going to get out of the way and say, enjoy this conversation with Carson Tate. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome back to the show, Carson Tate. I always love when I can say welcome back because it means somebody was so awesome the first time or however many times they come back again. So Carson, welcome back. Thank you. I was so excited that we were going to get to chat again. And thank you for having me on your show again. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, I mean, it, I don't know, and I'm not going to look it up. Everybody listening can do that themselves, but it's been a little while, probably two, three years, but yes. it was a great time the first time. So when I got the email saying, hey, Carson Tate, she'd be a great guest. I said, I know she's been on the show before. <laughs> so and honestly, I want to talk to you about this because you came out with a new book and it's called Own It, Love It, Make It Work, How to Make Any Job Your Dream Job. And if somebody is not in that pursuit per se, one, start, but two, if you've not been having existential career questions like that for the last two years, where have you been, right? Yes, I would agree with that. The pandemic has prompted 
most folks that I know and clients to reflect on what is work? What does it mean to work? What do I want for my life? What do I want for my career? Which I think are all really important questions that we need to be asking ourselves on a more consistent, regular basis. Exactly. Well, and things have changed. I mean, this is how the book starts. It's like things have changed. The way we work has changed. And it's been in progress for a very long time anyway. But obvious recent global events pushed it farther and faster than it had been moving. And and, and things are still in flux now. What would you say in terms of the way we work having been changed forever? Like, how would you describe that change? What has that change looked like to you from your perspective? The most substantial change from my perspective is the remote hybrid work. So pre-global pandemic, the operating thesis with most leaders and companies is we can't maintain the same levels of productivity and performance in a remote world with our team members working from home or in an alternative location. Well, that was debunked. So that thesis is no longer true. We saw increases in productivity in almost every industry. Now, what's interesting about this is we also saw some fall off in terms of relationships. So connecting via Zoom is difficult. The relationships that folks had with their team members, their immediate team members, they were strengthened. That's why productivity stayed steady and even increased. But those relationships and connections that we have across our companies, bridging connections, so if I'm in finance, my colleagues and friends over in marketing, those decreased. So the outcome, I think, of the pandemic and the way we worked, you don't have to be co-located to do certain types of work. There are other types of work, I would suggest more innovation, ideation, certain forms of collaboration that this grand pandemic has exposed fault lines and that we do need some of that to be done in person or at least in a very different way where there's an ability to have more bridging connections and conversations across the organization. I agree. I experienced actually this exact scenario. I have recently been in a new position in a new company, for that matter, had the opportunity to do a quick road trip from here in Indiana to New York City, to their office, to our office, I should say. And it was amazing. And I'd already met a bunch of people, worked with a bunch of people, but it was different to be able to sit in a conference room and literally do ideation and creative work with them in a non, let's just say non-Zoom setting, in a Mm face-to-face setting. And I'm so glad I got that opportunity, and I'm glad that that's something that's more possible now than has been in recent history. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important. And when I think about the way that we work changing, so we can work remotely and maintain productivity, we need to be thoughtful and intentional about exactly, we talked about this in-person ideation, innovation, collaboration piece. And the third thing that has changed, I think, People had this existential crisis that we started with around the why of work. Why am I doing this job? And why are we still producing this report? Or why do we have this meeting? Which I think is really important because it allows us as an individual to get clear on what is it that you want to do professionally. And it allows us to start questioning some of the default, we just have always done it this way, types of processes and work. I agree. In fact, again, that's yet another thing that I've run into is as I'm entering into a position that is the first time it's been a full-time position, 
prior to this, it's been a part-time contractor and they did a great job. And in the handoff, it was like, okay, we want to pick somebody to do this position moving forward that one has expertise, which I'm flattered to have and be acknowledged for. And we'll get into more of the acknowledgement stuff later. Number two, just saying, wait a second, if I get to, as, as they have done for me, have creative freedom and a budget for that matter, and the ability to just think outside the box and set this up for success, not just for me, but for the company, then that means questioning those standards. And this is the way we've always done it, even though, you know, it's only been nine months, a year or whatever that this thing has been going on. It's funny that even after just a year, that habit or way we've always done things can so easily and quickly be stuck in as just organizational habit. It calcifies very quickly, doesn't it? Yes. And now is the time in the midst of massive change to challenge status quo, reimagine how do we work smarter? How do we work more effectively? How do we work more impactfully? How do we work more humanly so that we can achieve our personal goals, but also enable the organization that we work for to be successful and profitable? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I want to say is that If you're so lucky to not maybe have had to have as many or as much of an existential crisis career wise as a lot of people have had in recent history, and I even did, but I've, I've landed and found a real good fit. If you're not in a good fit, though, I think is where we're going to talk a a bit more in terms of sometimes it's just not going to be a fit and you need to still make it work but also maybe strive for something that's better or different or more, whether that's a same position at the current place or something else completely entirely somewhere else or your own thing or a mixture of all of those. You, I mean, I've been in all those situations, to be honest. So what are the next steps to make right now okay before the longer term plan can start to be even something like I hear somebody out there right now, they're saying, I just need to be okay in what I have right now because I mm-hmm. don't have a way to make drastic changes just yet, but I want to be able to feel freedom and you know empowered to move forward and make a longer term plan, but I'm just not there yet. What I say to those folks who I, sh- I hear you, and those are also a lot of the folks we coach, it's we need to start with clarity. So what has come up? You know, where are you finding fulfillment and engagement in your current work? Where are you experiencing some gaps? You know, I'm dreading this meeting with Eric, which I was not, but starting (laughs) to notice. So what came up and then start to look for patterns. And I think the easiest, most tangible way to do that is look at your to-do list and look at your calendar and keep it simple. Thumbs up, thumbnail. Hmm. You know, these five things on my calendar and these four things on my to-do list were all thumbs down. Okay, data. Let's peel it a little bit more. Is it because of the type of work? Is it the person you're working with? Is it the lack of autonomy around time and how you complete the work? Because what we're doing here is trying to create enough self-awareness so that we can create, start to take intentional next steps to create the job that we want in the future. But we can't do that if we still start to understand what is and is not working for us in our current job. Got it. So it's definitely... Kind of like a, a time audit meets a gut check. Look at your calendar, yay or nay, yes or no. Is it, you know, don't think about it, just say yay or nay. Yay or nay. And, and we have to do it this way because otherwise it feels even more 
existential kind of in your head. I think this is a very grounded approach. And so if you're in a job and it's not your dream job, it's not the best job, and we have this data, okay, you know what? When I meet on this topic, I have a lot of energy. This is exciting for me. I feel fulfilled. Then the next step that I'm going to suggest is how do you do more of that in your current job? We know we're building towards the future, but in your current job. So that's a conversation with your manager, connecting this work to one of your team's goals, the organization's goals, clearly demonstrating how it enables the company to make more money, be more effective at customer service so that you can do more of the work you enjoy. Well, and I know that this is, again, to kind of step into the shoes of somebody and even for that matter, sharing my story, I've been where a lot of people have been where they've got something that you call the Sunday night scaries. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I, I call that the Monday morning dread or the Sunday night panic attack. You know, there's, there's many names. It's all the same thing, though. It's just this weekend is coming to an end and tomorrow morning oh crap, I've got all this stuff to do. Maybe I should do some of that now over the weekend or in in Sunday night. And it's this, do I keep doing what I'm doing or do I exit? Do I leave? What do you say to somebody who sees those as their only two options? So I think you have four options. Oh, great. You can stay, stay and suffer. You can leave for a new job. You can become an entrepreneur or... You can stay and start to create a work environment and a job that's fulfilling and engaging and prepares you if you want to leave or become an entrepreneur. So I say door number four, which is about choice and control and getting really clear what you need, is a really powerful place to start. But it's a challenge with just quitting and getting another job is wherever you go, there you are. So you contributed to the conditions in the current work that were not fulfilling. You have a piece of that action. And if we go to the new job and haven't gotten clear on, I need these to be fulfilled. This is where I'm undermining my own fulfillment needs. It's probably going to happen again. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond. Again, go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond. You know what? You're bringing up an interesting point. I've never, maybe to my detriment, thought about the fact that some of the ownership or onus on the job not working the way I want it to is on me. Definitely. You have an equal part, we'd say. So let's <laughs> think about it this way. And you mentioned this. So all of us want, I believe, to be recognized and rewarded for our contributions at work. And that could be as simple as thank you, great job, to financial compensation, benefits, lots of different folks. There's a range. But if you're my manager and you don't know that the way I feel valued and seen for my contributions is verbal affirmation, how are you ever to know to do that if I haven't communicated that? For me, that's something I do want to have. I, I know that about myself for sure. And I get that now. And I'm extremely pleased with that. I've been in positions, though, where I've expressed that and they've said, well, that's just not how I am. And I'm like, well, then it doesn't really matter. If you're just literally saying to me, I'm never going to get that from you or it's going to be once a quarter or once a year, that's not enough watering the plant. Sorry. <laughs> right. And the grass is green is where it's watered. Yeah. You're exactly right, Eric. And so in that situation, your manager has been very clear that they're not going to give you that verbal affirmation. Okay, this is really important to note. Okay, you're not getting it from them. And if you're not ready to leave, which is where we started, if you're not ready to move to that next job, then is there a way for you to get that verbal affirmation, that feedback and that support outside of your manager? Is there a committee that you're on? Do you have some peers that can provide some feedback and support? Because we've identified that it's a need and a want. And so not ready to leave, we're going to need to start to, this is your piece of the action, co-create conditions where you can get it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's one aspect. That's one aspect of the staying and making it work or decide, you know, deciding if you want to go or, you know, in other words, choosing the four different options. I'm curious then, what are some of the other ways other than that? I know you've got five different ones. This is one of the five. Mm -hmm. Let's walk through some of the other four. Okay, sure. So there are five. I call them the five essentials for professional fulfillment. We just talked about this reward and recognition, which is the first step. Admit that you have a need to be seen and recognized, and then let's figure out what it is and ask for it. The second one is around aligning your strengths. So when you took the new job around your competencies and capabilities, that was a fabulous match. So your strengths matched up with their need. So what we want to do here is be really clear on what are your strengths, your capabilities, what do you bring to the team? If you work from strengths, you're more at flow, tend to be happier, more engaged. You want to do more of that. So it's this two-part process. What are they? 
And then let's convey, I'm giving this example, go to your manager. I would like to do more podcasting. It's adding this, this, and this in terms of brand recognition, educational opportunities for our team members. You're connecting it to goals. The third one is around cultivating relationships. So I don't know how many Zoom happy hours, Eric, you attended. But I lost count a long time ago during the pandemic. We're social. We're Human beings are social. And at work, it's really important that we have a good friend and good relationships. And this chapter is all about identifying. Do you have the relationships? Which relationships do you want? How might you be unconsciously undermining them? And what can you do? The fourth one is around career advancement. So I would imagine you do podcasting. You want to continue to learn and grow. So how do we know what I want to learn and what I, how I want to grow? That's my, I don't need my company to put together a development plan for me. I want to put that together with support, with some input so that I can achieve my career goals. And then the last one is about meaning and purpose. How can you design your job for more meaning and purpose? I think I would love to dive a little deeper in each of those just to kind of round out the context, maybe give a trick or a tip or a perspective change or two, starting with the skills and, you know, your knowledge, your skills, because I think that's one of the things that, uh, you know, self-awareness is one of the things that, oh, you know what? It's not just that I like doing this thing. It's that I like doing this thing because I am wired this way and that's where my skill set is best used. So doing like strength finders or when someone's like, yeah, but I don't know my strengths. What do you say to that? I'd say, well, first of all, you're not alone. So let's figure it out. So you already mentioned what I consider the gold standard, Clifton Strengths Finders. So you can take a Strengths Finder assessment online. Great tool to help you identify your strengths. Easy option. Second option is I always tell our clients, let's look at performance reviews from prior jobs, current job, look at the feedback that you receive. I always ask our clients, tell me what people compliment you on. Tell me what people ask you to help them do. Those are really good indicators of a strength that you may or may not be aware of. So we've got the Strengths Finder assessment. We've got your own reflection on performance reports, asking colleagues again, what do you see as a strength and what are they asking you to help them with? And then the third one is that and we've done it. It works twice in two different ways. It's this calendar task analysis, thumbs up, thumbs down, really insightful around what are you good at? What can you not, not do? Where do you seek to learn and grow? And then looking at the conditions under which you really like to do that type of work. I'm even now seeing, as you said that, uh, a place here where if you take what we were talking about first with the yay or nay, and you're going over your calendar, and then you're realizing, well, some of the things that I'm required to do for my position that are nay could be a yay for somebody else. And that's where delegation may come in and change up. Wait a second. Suddenly, that thing that I hate doing but have to do, I no longer have to do anymore. And I've actually let somebody else who loves doing it, I'll think like crunching numbers for example, here, uh, and doing reporting. I delegate that to you. Yes. Uh, I strongly delegate crunching numbers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so number one, suddenly my job load, one, my job load is lighter, but not just lighter in terms of the numeric number of tasks, but also the weight, the psychological, the emotional even weight of that task being off my plate. 
And then the funny thing is that somebody else is now feeling more rewarded and fulfilled from their position because I gave them that thing I hated. That's like the best present ever. Ever. And some of your listeners are probably thinking, well, what's going to make them say yes to that? Well, one, they want to do it. And two, you can trade. They might be doing something you want to do more of. So we trade it out. Like, I love this. And my manager doesn't know how I really excel here. I'm going to take it on and demonstrate it. And this is a yay. This is engaging for me. A team member's happy. It's a win all the way around. So this is one of those places where maybe you've not even thought about this as an option in terms of task or even almost literally position swapping. And this is where if you stay aligned on achieving the goals of the organization, this co-creation, this innovation, right now we are in massive transition, do it. Think through it. And it can be a really powerful way of shifting up your job. That I think right there, just thinking in terms of not just your job description, but like literally saying, okay, what are all the things I do and doing that yay or nay, you know, brain dump slash self-assessment. But then taking it that one step further and saying, well, wait a second, what if I could get rid of some of these things and who could I possibly trade with? That's a game changer for most people right there. If we just said, "Okay, thanks for listening, that would help a lot of people out right there. I know that that's something that like perspective change wise, that would have helped me out years ago had I done this. So just want to call that out. Well, let's add two other things to it. Yeah. So if you can't swap it. Can you automate it or eliminate it? I mean, this is right in your wheelhouse. So if I am doing something manually and it is a little repetitive and it's repeatable and it's pretty predictable, let's figure out how quickly we automate it and or have the conversation to eliminate. Because there is stuff on our task list and in our job descriptions that's so old. It's like that sandwich in your fridge. It's growing mold. It's not adding value. But we haven't looked at it again through this fresh lens of, hey, can I pass it off? Can I automate it? Or can we just not do it? Yeah, for sure. So then this also has to do with, in terms of the trading and the swapping, that relies on relationships. One of the other things that you had mentioned. So I know that for me personally, you you mentioned happy hours. Rarely did I attend those. And in fact, we do have those now. And I keep having to pass them up just because my calendar has been so busy with soccer games in the evening or other things like that. So I haven't been able to do them, but I actually want to because the people that I've worked with are engaging. They are they're fun to be around. They are fun to work with. That is not the case for most people, though. So how do you start to hopefully, you know, how, how do you broach that topic? In other words, how do you say to somebody who just feels like I have no work friends, like, how do you start to have that? How do you test to see if that's even a possibility? So the first place we're going to start is to look for those connection points or areas of relatedness. So you just mentioned soccer. Maybe I don't know you and I have a child that plays soccer. So maybe we can have a two-minute conversation about this minor connection point at the beginning of a meeting or right at the end of the meeting to start to just see if we can find an opportunity to connect. So that is a really low-risk, easy way. I do think leaders have an opportunity to facilitate some of these connections and help teams get to know each other or know each other just outside, not just in terms of work. 
Then the other place is to look at, you know, where are you spending time consistently with folks that you might not know? Maybe it's a committee and you can start to talk about the work and then move out from that common base of the project to interest that you might have. The key thing around the cultivating authentic relationships is to move beyond the golden rule, which is to treat others the way you wanted to be treated. For this to work, particularly in our new world of work, hybrid world, I need to treat you the way you want to be treated, which is the platinum rule. So figuring out and watching, observing, how does Eric want me to interact and work with him? And I have been telling our clients, ask. Work has changed. We're on new teams. Now's a great time to say, hey, Eric, you know, we have this new workplace, this new way of working. Let's talk about the best ways for us to work together. That's a really powerful way to start to build a solid work relationship that can potentially can grow from there. That's a great way to approach it from a a proactive stance. Tying in that whole self-awareness angle that seems to be permeating here, so just going to go with it. I know there's probably some ways, though, and I know this is true for me, especially when it was relying heavily on technology alone, that there may be ways that we're unaware that we're sabotaging potential work relationships. What are some key ways that that ends up happening? So one of them that I've seen still consistently is assuming that everyone at the beginning of a meeting wants to do what I'll call chit chat or talk about, oh, my child plays soccer, your child plays soccer, we eat pizza, here's what we're doing on Netflix, that they want to have this type of dialogue. There are certain folks where they're pretty analytical and linear. They show up at a meeting, they want to get to the point and get out. And that chin chat for them is wasting time and very annoying. So this is where the platinum rule comes into play and we have to think past big, broad brushstrokes and why it's so helpful to say, if I was leading your team and it's new, hey, collectively, in terms of our team meeting, let's talk about how we want to meet. What does it look like? How do we start? What do we want to do in terms of our social and emotional well-being and connections as a team and individually? Just open up that dialogue so I'm not making assumptions about what you want and what the team might want. Got it. Let's see if I'm mentally keeping track right here. I think we've addressed three of the five. So Mm -hmm. the two, I know one of the two that's missing so far or that's left is when it comes to designing your own continuing education and growth. Let's save that one. What's the other one? What am I missing here? Meaning. That's it. Meaning and purpose. Yes. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about meaning and purpose because here's the thing. I've had mixed thoughts about this my entire career (laughs) over the last, well, I don't even know how many years that is, so I'm not going to guess. But I've always thought, yeah, but am I really supposed to like find my meaning and purpose in my job? Isn't that supposed to be my family, my friends, my own like journey, discovery, whatever? But at the same time, there are times when I'm firing on all cylinders in career tasks and mode that it's just like, oh my gosh, that was a good day. And I'd always hope, how do I have more of those? Because those seem, those have always seemed fewer and far, farther between than they should have mm-hmm. been. So mm. I don't know. I, I guess I'm not really asking a question, but interject here. Like, I think that's where most people find is like they either fall on the, my job's not supposed to give me my reward or my meaning, my purpose. And then there are other people where that is exactly where they go. And let's be truthful. It's a mixture of both. 
And it should kind of be both because we should be alive at all times, right? What's your take? My take is the same as your last statement. I believe in living fully in all aspects of our life. And so work is a facet of it. You spend more than a third of your waking hours at work. So I'm not suggesting that work is the only source of meaning and purpose. I'm going to challenge and say, I want it to be part of it for you because there is such an amount of time, just raw hours and energy that's spent here. But I'd like for it to be a full, rich life that's professional and personal. And the other thing that I would interject around is should. So I don't believe in shoulding all over ourselves. And so what works for you may or may not work for me. And work can just be a paycheck. And if that's what works for you, excellent. Or if work is just a, a career, it's about advancement, moving to the next rung, and that is working for you, great, don't change it. Or if it's a calling, which is where we start to think about that meaning and purpose piece, great. It doesn't have to be anything because the key is that meaning is defined by you. Mm. I can't define your meaning. You define your meaning. Well, that's another place where, as I was talking about earlier, suddenly, surprisingly, oh, wait, you mean the ownership for that deciding of that meaning falls on me to a certain extent or more than just a certain extent, like a bulk of it even? oh, crap, I haven't thought about it that way. And one, I instantly feel guilty. (laughs) But then two, it's freeing. Freeing, empowering, you're a choice, there's agency, there's control. And then you're in the driver's seat of creating meaning in your job. And if there are elements of this job where you can't find it, okay, let's use it. What do you want to, if you're going to choose to leave, what are the components or elements that are required And the new job for you to construct meaning because it is a construction that you are making. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, a lot of what we've, again, already talked about are components of this. Now, this could be the first step where you decide, okay, to have meaning, to have purpose, this is what I need. But it's not a cart or horse scenario. This is an all-encompassing kind of approach. So, All-encompassing. And Eric, not everyone needs to address the five. True. Fundamentals. You know, some folks are like, I've got these strengths. I'm leveraging them. I'm really clear. I'm getting the recognition I want. And I've got really deep, mutually beneficial, fulfilling relationships at work. Like, those are really solid. I want to move a little bit further down the path. I'm going to look at this meaning. And meaning might be constructed around the people that you work with. It might be those relationships that define meaning and purpose in your work. Well, and that brings us to the last one which I think makes perfect sense now is that if you've decided what it is that you need meaning and purpose in or on or from when it comes to career and or all of your life, really all aspects, then you having ownership when it comes to whether it's developing new skills or using skills you already have and the continuing education, you know, gaining more knowledge and integrating that into yourself, not just your job. But if you're aware of that, like, so for example, like you were just saying, well, some people, they would say, well, I've got this, this, and this, I'm good as far as job goes. And then they would say my ongoing knowledge and education and enrichment, I can do that anywhere. I can go do that. That can be a hobby. That can be a side hustle. That can be a, you know, insert here. Or what's even more interesting that I think some people haven't considered is wait, there are opportunities for you to do those things at the position you're at that you may not even like. 
And that comes back to the swapping and the people. And so it all comes together. (laughs) It does. It definitely does. With the intentionality and the self-awareness, the intentionality of what you want and need and the self-awareness of where you are and what you're bringing. And then also I'd say the third piece is around the courage to ask and have conversations to co-create a work environment for yourself that's a win for you and your company. Mm -hmm. I've just got to say, like, this is a great conversation to be having with you right now as I've kind of gone through different steps and phases of this and in fits and starts in the past few months slash few years. And it feels great to have done that. And I would encourage everybody to start this process and know that it's not going to be an easy process or a quick process even, but it's definitely something that can make your day-to-day drudgery seem less so. And in fact, even pivot it into thriving. It absolutely can. And I can say from the hundreds of thousands of people that we've had the pleasure of training and coaching and consulting with around these concepts, it does work. It is a process. It does take time. It does take energy. It does take intention and and focus. And it does work. I would love to point people to one, the book, and two, your business and everything you're doing to help people walk through this process. So what are some of the places that are best for people to connect with you about this? So they were interested in the book and it has a workbook, a companion workbook for those folks that like that type of learning approach. Own it, love it, make it work. It's available on Amazon, all of your outlets. If you like to listen to it, it's on all of the audiobook channels. You can download it. Then our website where you can get in touch with me and our team, workingsimply.com. Or if you like social, I'm on LinkedIn, B. Carson Tate on LinkedIn. There are also additional resources on the website, Working Simply, and on LinkedIn, articles, tools that you can download. Okay, great. I will make sure to link up to all of that in the show notes for this episode. Carson, it's been great having you back. Open invitation next time you want to have another conversation. It's definitely an open door. Thank you, Eric. And congratulations on your new-ish role and getting to meet your team members in person. That was fantastic. Thank you. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I hope that you got something great out of this Carson Tate conversation. I know that I did. It made me rethink some things, some nuances, some finer details to the macro picture that is your job, your career. And make sure to check out all the things we mentioned in the show. I've linked those all up in the show notes, which you can find at beyondthetodolist.com. That's also where you could do me the favor of hitting the share button and sharing this with somebody that you know needs to hear this conversation. You probably know somebody who is thinking along the same lines of needing to make either a full-out job change or make changes in their current position. Think of that person share this with them. You can hit the share button in your podcast player app of choice, or again, hit the share button over on the podcast show notes. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next episode.
Hey, thanks for listening to the end. If you're looking for a show to start helping you apply these productivity lessons on your business, check out Millionaire University. It's real lessons from real entrepreneurs teaching you what you need to know to improve your business or start one if you've been putting it off. It covers all aspects of business from starting, marketing, growing, managing, and everything in between, wearing all the hats. And as an added bonus, I am conducting a number of those conversations, those interviews, so you'll fit right in. Again, that's Millionaire University. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.